I'm glad to have you with us tonight. So good to be with you again. Let me just give a shout out and a thank you to Minister Letitia Nolan. What a marvelous job she did last week. She came ready with the fire. She even had props in her hand that I think she just did a tremendous job. Thank you, Minister Nolan. And I want to praise God for her and also for her work in ministry. She'll be ministering to single uh, mothers uh, this weekend uh, uh, on Saturday. Hey, look on Facebook and look in, on the light and see how you can be a part of that wonderful ministry. Again, shout out to Minister Nolan for that wonderful word. Hey, let's look at uh, what God is doing right now. Let's pray. Father, we love you. We thank you for this great time of worship and of sharing the word. Speak to us, speak through us, and let the words of my mouth, meditation of my heart, be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, saints, we're back in it again. This is lesson number 24, Answers for the Struggle, Ancient Wisdom for Modern Problems. Answers for the Struggle, Ancient Wisdom for Modern Problems. And this is lesson number 24. Tonight I want to take chapter 24 of the book of Proverbs and I want to offer from that book 16 lessons from Proverbs 24. 16 lessons from Proverbs 24. As you know, that's about four or five more than I normally would give, so I'll have to move expeditiously um, but uh, if I get bogged down, don't worry about it. Pick it up next week. But let's look at this book here in this particular chapter. One of the things that I was, was thinking about this morning as I was meditating is that what you see here is a, a Prince Akeem situation coming to America. Where, where you have someone who is being uh, placed as a future royal, who is being trained how to be royal, how to act royal, how to act in the presence of others, how not to let certain things bother them, how to be above it all how to be in the midst of it, yet above it. Uh, there, there's that, that, you know, this is all about the fictitious kingdom of Zamunda, but there's that poignant moment in there when Lisa looks at Akeem and says, you're different. You act like you're above everything. And, and, it, and it, he's mopping floors, he's doing manual labor and for him the first time in his life he's been walking on rose petals and being bathed by bathers but now even doing manual labor is not too much for him because he knows who he is he's above the fray there's a part of you as a believer that has to recognize your royalness that you have been made uh, priests and kings and queens within the royal family. You, you, you're somebody. You are a peculiar people, a chosen generation, 
there's something different about you. If you see the world the way the rest of the world sees the world, then you lose your peculiarness. I, 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 um, you have to recognize that you are God's chosen in the world to show the world God's presence in the world. And so a part of that would mean that some people you don't hang out with because you know better. You know they up to foolishness. Some things you don't do because even though you can do it, you know better because it doesn't lead to anything of prosperity. And you watch yourself in the presence of others. Let's look at the 16 lessons in that light and you'll see what I mean. The, the, the first lesson comes up in verse 1 and 2. It says, do not be envious of evil men, nor desire to be with them, for their minds plot violence and their lips talk of trouble for the innocent. Number one, first lesson, plans rotten through wickedness. Plans rotten through wickedness. You, you've got to get to the place where you have such good judgment that you avoid wickedness. Um, I was watching a uh, quick vignette um, on YouTube the other day with Ice Cube, Ice T, not Ice Cube, Ice T. And he was saying to people, he said, you know, if you're not from California and you come out there, don't try to make friends with the Crips and the Bloods or some group of essays, whatever. He said, you don't know that world. You're not like that world. And the only thing you can do is get in trouble. You're going to wear the wrong color. You're going to be in the wrong place. He says, you got to know who you are and stay away from stuff like that. Now, here's somebody born in California trying to put folks up on game, telling you, look, I don't care what you, where you come from on the East Coast, middle of the country, wherever, West Coast gangs got some real stuff going on, and it's different here. You don't even hang around with some people. You and I know that here locally. There's some folks you know you ought not be hanging around with. You know stuff can go, go sideways real quick. The thing is that there are always people that plot and scheme and look to take advantage of other people. You don't want to be around them because the plan is going to go rotten because of their wickedness. And even if you don't believe you can get caught, you have to be careful. You have to make sure you don't hang around with people like that. Some folk, you know, we, we read earlier, bad company corrupts morals, corrupts good morals. You, you, you hang around with certain people long enough, you'll be like them. You hang around with somebody who always cusses, sooner or later you'll feel out of place if you don't cuss. So you have to start throwing your, your, your words in. You have to be careful who you hang around. Be careful. Plans are are rotten, meaning they, they putrefy through wickedness. And that's wicked intent, wicked ideas, wicked ways of being. But number two is interesting. 
It comes in verse 3 and 4. And I'm reading from the Amplified Version, Proverbs 24, someone listening in. Through skillful and godly wisdom, a house, a life, a home, a family is built. And by understanding, it is established on a sound and good foundation. And by knowledge, its rooms are filled with all precious and pleasant riches. Pleasant riches through wisdom. Number two, you can get, you can have, you will have pleasant riches through wisdom. Meaning that if I function in wisdom, I'm going to, I'm going to end up with a home, I'm going to end up with establishing a great family, I'm going to end up with trying to have nice things around me because my wisdom is going to channel me towards doing that which will establish goodness and justice and blessings as opposed to not being wise. So the wiser I am, the more I'm going to invest in my household, invest in building my family, invest in building my foundation. Number three comes in verses five, six, and seven. A wise man is strong, and a man of knowledge strengthens his power. For by wise guidance, you can wage your war. And in the abundance of wise counselors, there's victory and safety. Wisdom is too exalted for hardened, arrogant fools. He does not open his mouth in the gate where the city rulers sit in judgment. Number three. Power reserve through wisdom. Power reserve through wisdom. The wiser you are, the more you're going to understand that as you gain wisdom, as you gain knowledge, you also are gaining strength. It's not just pumping your muscles in the gym that's going to give you strength. It's not just doing good cardio, and you need those things. Amen. You need those things, but you got to know that the more wisdom you accumulate, the stronger you're going to become. But you also have to know the limitations of your individual wisdom. So I'm, 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 I think I'm pretty smart on my own, but I realize the limitations of that because I see from one perspective. And even if I try to see from another perspective that's jaded by who I am. So what he says to them is, even in your wisdom, don't go out making war without gaining wisdom. You have wisdom, but get more wisdom before you go and do anything, anything outlandish. He says, in the abundance of counselors, there's victory and safety. So, so that if I'm getting ready to do something, I'm, I might want to check in. I might want to get some wisdom on that. Uh, I might want to say, okay, yeah, I know I've bought plenty of cars before, but has anyone else had any dealings with this dealership? Are they fair? Are, are they going to keep their word? Is there any integrity among these people here? Are they selling me a lemon? Did they just drag this car out of a lake somewhere, dry it out, put some new carpet in and selling it to me as though there's been, had no damage to it? 
I'm not saying I wouldn't buy it anyway, but at least if I know I'm buying it that way and I start getting a major rusting problem, I shake my head and say, ah, I knew I, I probably should have thought twice about that because it's been in water long. You, you have to recognize wisdom says I'm going to get wisdom and I'm going to make wise decisions. He said, but there's some people that have no business speaking around other people and the best thing we can do for them is tell them to be quiet. He said, they shouldn't even be speaking in front of those who are wise, who are sitting as rulers at the gate. So he says, it's not just that you ought to seek counsel. You ought to be careful of the counsel you seek. You know, if you and, um, and Pookie and Ray Ray been running together and y'all been sticking up, you know, places and, and what have you, and now all of a sudden you're trying to go straight and you're going to ask Pookie and Ray Ray whether or not you ought to go straight? Well, they, they, their answer is going to be, no, nah, we ought to go get this money. Well, you, you can't ask somebody that, that is two steps short of being a gigolo if you ought to stop running around. They're going to be like, no, nah, man, you got to do your thing. Fire up while you can. This is... It's not just get wisdom, it's get wisdom from people that can offer good wisdom and silence those that have none. Uh, I think uh, I saw Mother, Mother Wiggins put on there a little while ago. She said, you be careful because birds of a feather flock together. So if you find the birds in your group all are low flyers, you flying with a bunch of buzzers, then you might want to change your group. Because the eagles have no reason to fly with buzzers. Let me preach a little while. You got to be careful of who you get wisdom from. Be careful of who you hang around. We go to number four. Number four picks up in verses eight and nine. It says, he who plans to do evil will be called a schemer or deceiver or divisor rather of evil. The devising of folly is sin, and the scoffer is repulsive to men. Number four is this. Phonies are repulsive through wickedness. Phonies are repulsive through wickedness. And there are some phony people who spend their life scheming and scamming, devising how to do something else bad, creating Ponzi schemes, creating ways to steal from someone else, trying to steal somebody's money, trying to take somebody's house, trying to take somebody's life. Let me tell you something. You be careful because phonies are repulsive and you don't want to have anything like that attached to your name because you don't want to become repugnant in the eyes of other people either. You don't want to be a schemer, and so you don't want to associate with anybody that's doing scheming. You know, um, there's, there's this man, what is his name, uh, big Ponzi scheme, did all this sleeping with all these lung girls and everything. Jeffrey, I think his name was, uh, he, uh, Epstein or somebody like that. 
He, he slept with all these folk, did all this stuff. And then, then he, they finally caught him, underage girls and all that stuff. They finally caught him. He dies in prison. He gone. But now, the woman that was close to him don't know what her full part was. That it wasn't my, I didn't read up on that, don't want to get into the facts. But I can tell you this much, she's about to do the time he should have done because she was near him. And God forbid if she was a victim herself and became a pawn in his scheme and had been used by him and not a mastermind herself, she's gonna be doing time for the wickedness of somebody else. And she herself has become now repulsive because of wickedness. She's become the one. He's dead. Now she got to do the time. Okay. Number five comes in verse 10. If you are slack, that is careless, in the day of distress, your strength is limited. Number five, passivity reveal, it reveals through weakness. And, and let me say it again. Passivity reveals thorough weakness. And, and by thorough, I mean it re reveals how, how little strength you have. Nothing at all. See, see, you have to recognize tough times will show you just who you are. Tough times will let you know who you are. And if you falter in those tough times in the face of adversity, it's going to show you who you are. What you've got to make sure is that you work on yourself, that you keep your strength up, your wisdom up, your knowledge up, so that when you get into distress, your wisdom and knowledge will help you navigate your way out of it. We all go into it, but we can navigate out of it if we are wise. But if you sit back passively and carelessly and you don't do anything, you don't try to uh, increase your knowledge or wisdom, I don't care how old you are, you ought to still be reading. If you, if you don't want to sit down and read a book, at least read the paper every day. Keep yourself sharp. Keep up on what's going on. Watch the news. Keep gaining wisdom. Keep talking to others. I don't care if you're 8 or 80, keep on doing it because what you're doing is you're remaining, you're keeping and building your strength and your wealth of knowledge grows so that when the day of distress comes, you can work your way through it and not have it be revealed just how weak you really are. This one is interesting. Verse 11 and 12, rescue those who are being taken away to death and those who stagger to slaughter. Oh, hold them back from their doom. If you claim ignorance and say, see, we did not know this, does he not consider it who weighs and examines the hearts and their motives? And does he not know it who guards your life and keeps your soul? And will he not repay you and every man according to his works? So number six is power rescues the weary power 
rescues the weary. Now this is an important note. You don't want to have power of any kind and not use it to help others. Some people will say the United States have no business getting involved in the Ukrainian situation. Oh, that's cute. So you're going to consider yourself the number one power in the world. You're going to consider yourself the world power. And now you see another world power dominating a smaller country, running over their people, having phony elections, blowing up their houses and killing their women and children and raping their children, their daughters and their sons, and, and killing people and putting them in mass graves 500 at a time. And you're going to sit over here in the United States and act like monkey see no, I don't see no evil, hear no evil. No! You cannot consider yourself to have power and not rescue the weary. You cannot consider yourself to have power and not care about the African diaspora, the wars in, on the African continent. You cannot consider yourself to have power and not to have got involved in, the, in World War II and in the ending of the Holocaust. How could, how could this nation sleep with itself if it wants to say it has power and is a world leader and allow the Germans under Hitler to kill millions of Jews and not go in there and take over and do something about it? Power rescues the weary. In case you ever wonder why, what your marching order is and who you ought to be, I, I um, now, I'm going to tell a story way out of school. Y'all forgive me for this. I was young, and, and no, I, I can't claim that I didn't know Jesus because I knew Jesus. But I took this scripture a little literally. So uh, when I was in high school, I kept seeing how big kids and mean groups would beat up on little kids. So I started helping the little kids out. Well, little kids is, a, is sort of a misnomer. The smaller students, I started helping out. And what I would do, you know, you, you got beat up, you know, or somebody was going to beat you up, people would call on me and I'd help them out. You know, no, I ain't going to do that. Well, then I, I kind of realized that I was performing a service. So I, I printed up business cards, uh, that, and y'all forgive me, I'm, I'm confessing it's good for the soul. I was young. I was very young. I was in high school. Now, that doesn't speak well of me, but I was very young. And so I printed up business cards that said, Big Ben's Hitman Service. And I passed them out to the little people. You, hey, you got a problem? You come get me. I'll solve it. Now, that was horrible. But what I was trying to do was to help the weary. Now, <laughs> Y'all forgive me, I'm saying. Look, the point I'm making is that what you realize is that sometimes God puts you in a position to help others. And feigning ignorance may work with them, but it doesn't work with God. So you always, when you're in a power position, you always got to be asking yourself, God, what is my role here? What am I supposed to be doing now? How can I help now? What should I do now? 
Now, now I come from a, a very difficult uh, neighborhood. There was one time I saw a guy who was who, who caught a woman on the porch and tried was trying to pull her in her house to rape her, and I ran up on the porch. No hitman service, nothing. I was a preacher, and I was probably about 16, 17 years old. Ran up on the porch and threw him down and let her get in the house. He ran away. Look, I ran into a jewelry store during a robbery and stopped the robbery. Why? Because I could. Why do you do that? Because power when you have it, should be used the right way. Now, you got to understand something now. I'm not telling you you ought to get involved in every situation or every time something goes wrong, you ought to be in the middle of it. No. But what I am telling you is be careful because sometimes God puts you in position to help and save someone and you cannot simply shut your eyes and act as though they are not there, and they're not in trouble. People ask me, and I, I, tell, I told this story before, um, I went away, I was in college when that happened at the jewelry store. I left, I came back, I was, uh, my people were looking for me. They were trying to find out who was that guy who stopped the, the robber. And uh, so I come back at a break, whatever, and, and uh, they, they was walking through downtown. Someone called me and said, hey, aren't you that guy? I said, oh, no big deal. So they said, well, the guy wants to meet you. He wants to say hi to you. No joke, no joke. The, when in, he said, man, he said, he said, I know it's you. I know it's you. I've been looking for you. And it had been months since that had happened because it happened during the summer. I came back, you know, like during Thanksgiving, Christmas time area. He said, I've been looking for you. I really wanted to do something for you. Thank you. You saved me so much. I said, man, no problem. You know, glad you, everything worked out. And I went to walk out. He said, no, I really want to thank you. And I said, no, I'm cool. He said, no, I really want to thank you. And the man looked at me. He looked at my wrist. And it was the first time I ever gotten a piece of jewelry. He said, he said no, you can't leave. He went over and looked in his, chain, his jewelry box, in his, in his drawer, and pulled out a gold chain and clipped it to my wrist. And he said, thank you. I want you to remember that people are grateful for people like you. Now, I can't I'm not telling you that in any kind of braggadocious way or any kind of way about gifting. What I'm telling you is that when you do what's right, you may never know how God's going to bless you. You do right to do right. And God's going to bless you because God is a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. And seeking him is seeking his goodwill. i got to hurry up. i got a number of stories like that. But you have an obligation. So make sure you underline those verses, verse 11 and 12. Number 7 comes out of verse 13 and 14. My son, eat honey because it's good. And the drippings of the honeycomb are sweet to your taste. Know that skillful and godly wisdom is so very good for your life and soul. If you find wisdom, then there will be a future and a reward. And your hope and expectation will not be cut off. Ah. Let, 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 me, let, me, let, me, let me do it this way. Here is it. Number seven is pleasurable rewards through wisdom. Pleasurable rewards through wisdom. Pleasurable rewards through wisdom. He 
says, he says, you shouldn't just do the right thing because you want people to think you're doing the right thing or because you're just moral and you want to do the moral thing. He says, no. He says, as you behave, as you gain wisdom, as you live your life in a way that's pleasing to God, it's like eating honey dripping from the comb. He says, the best way to get what you want in life is to live the life that God wants you to live. And by doing that, you will gain pleasure and you will fulfill all of your dreams. Just by trying to do, you know, uh, what God wants you to do, just by trying to live in a manner that pleases God, God's going to bless you. And so you ought to do right for doing right's sake. Not, not, just, not just because you want to take the moral high ground. You want to take it because you know that serving the Lord is going to pay off. You know that God's going to bless you. And after a while, you start feeling good about doing good. You start taking joy in blessing others. It feels good that you're able to help out. I know some of you got this testimony. You saw somebody that was falling, and you went and picked him up, and you got him back on the path, and you felt good that you were able to help them. You saw a student that was failing, and you said, hey, I know how to do that math. Let me help you a little bit. And then all of a sudden, they came back with a paper that said they went from an F to an A, and, you, and it just made you feel good. They didn't have to give you anything, wasn't no chain for your wrist or anything, but it made you feel good that you were able to do something for somebody else. You want to feel good about yourself? Do something for somebody else. Do something for somebody else. Now, <laughs> I told my story about my, um, my giving my wife that little breakfast on Saturday, which she, she received with the love that I was trying to extend it. Now, what you don't know is I gave it to her. She was still in, in the bed. I, I served in bed. I breakfast in bed. But you don't know is I went back into the living room. I was just as giddy as could be. <laughs> I got her that time. Hey! <laughs> I didn't know she was back there looking at it like, Lord Jesus, help him. He could have toasted the bread or something. <laughs> I used to cook. I've lost my skills. I got to get my touch back. I give it. I'm going to do it again. I'm going to try it again. <laughs> but I felt good. <laughs> I still do. You see, I'm still laughing. Look, number eight comes out of verses 15 and 16. He says, do not lie in wait, O wicked man, against the dwelling of the righteous. Do not destroy his resting place. For a righteous man falls seven times and rises again, but the wicked stumble in time of disaster and collapse. Number eight is this. Providence restores the worthy. Providence restores the worthy. In other words, I don't care what's going on in your life. If God is with you, you don't have to worry about what people do to you because God's going to help you get, you help you to survive. He says, a righteous man, though he falls seven times, he's going to get back up again. What is that? Resilience. 
And the resilience in the text that is listed here says, look here, you keep getting up because evil cannot win. Evil cannot win. Good is always going to win over evil, even if evil folk try to do stuff to you, because God is always on the side, watch this, of the oppressed. God is always on the side of the righteous. And he says, I'm going to keep picking you up. I'm going to get you up again. We're going back at it again. You can plot and scheme. You may even get knocked me down. That's all right. I'm getting back up again. Verse 17 and 18 gives us number nine. Do not rejoice and gloat when your enemy falls. Let me say it again. Do not, I got to say this to my cowboy fans who have sent me notes since the game last night, who actually sent me condolences notes since the game last night, telling me how bad they felt since the Cowboys had beat the Giants. Uh, yeah, y'all listen. <laughs> do not rejoice and gloat when your enemy falls. <laughs> and do not let your heart be glad in self-righteousness when he stumbles. Or the Lord will see your gloating and be deceived with you, my dear brothers, and turn his anger away from your enemy. <laughs> Number nine, y'all know I'm kidding. Number nine is pity the ruination of the wicked. I got to be serious for a minute. Pity the ruination of the wicked. You know, I know people do bad things. And um, it's easy to sit back and gloat. But you've got to know the difference between justice and revenge. You've got to know the difference. You want people to, you want people to get their comeuppance, you know, you take R. Kelly and some of the things he's accused of and now has been convicted of. You want him to, to, to deal with whatever he got to deal with. But don't sit back and gloat. I pity him. I, I, I look at him and I say, how hard is it going to be to go from private jets, great hotels with expansive rooms, to a six-by-six six cell for what may be the rest of your life. I pity you. I pity them. So you, you don't want to look at even your enemy when they fall. You don't want to look at them and gloat over it. You're getting what you deserve. You're getting your comeuppance. I told you you mess with me. You're going down. Yeah, no, 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 no. No, no, no. You, you, even when they're getting their just dessert, you want to look at them and say, man, it don't make no sense. It didn't have to be that way. You been, you, that, that doesn't make any sense. You understand what I'm saying? Because what, you're better than that. You're better than that. You don't want to win the game, the basketball game, and, and, and win the championship, and then go over to your opponent, opponent in the face. You know good so-and-so, you da-da-da-da-da. No, no, you're better than that. You're better than that. Respect your opponent. Act like you've been here before. Don't gloat. 
Because see, God could take the hand of mercy off of you and instead of it being him, it'd be you. Because in every situation in your life, you can look at it and say, there before the grace of God go I. Uh, number 10, I'm going to make sure I get there. Number 10 is in verse 19 and 20. Do not get upset because of evildoers or be envious of the, of the wicked. For there will be no future for the evil man. The lamp of the wicked will be put out. Now, this I want to make clear. Number 10 is this. Peace is the realization of the worthlessness. Of worthlessness. Peace is the realization of worthlessness. Now this requires a little explanation. What this simply means is this. You see somebody prospering. Say they're hustling. They're making money. They, they out there slinging on street corners. They're making fast cash. They're robbing. They're making money. You up there mad because you don't have none or you have just enough to pay your bills. What, what the text says is, don't you dare get upset over that. Your peace is in knowing that what they're doing is worthless. Your peace is in knowing that you can drive down the street and never have to worry about riding dirty. Gonna catch me riding dirty, gonna catch me riding dirty, gonna catch me. Well, I never have to worry about riding dirty. You can sing Jay-Z's song, uh, 99 Problems, but ain't one. You can sing it and really realize that you don't have anything in the car that the police dog can get. Oh, you didn't know that was that, what that song was about. Song's about drugs. You can ride then your car know you have to worry because why? You know you're living right. Your peace is in the realization of the worthlessness of evil. Even if it seems to prosper temporarily. The text says, because they have zero future, no future, and it won't be long before their lamp will be put out. Won't be long, won't be long. That's gonna come up again. They're gonna be messed up, tore up from the floor. So you have peace, recognize, hey, I may not have as much as you have, but at least I got mine honest. I don't have to worry about nobody coming in my house, taking my little, little bit of nothing, because uh, I know I paid for it. There's nothing in here stolen. Everything got paid for with money. And real money, cash money, money I were earned, hard-earned money. Okay, it may not be like your big whatever, but guess what? When I go to sleep at night, the only thing I have to worry about is what I'm gonna dream about. I ain't got to worry about nobody looking for me. I ride down the street. I don't have to be looking around the corner to see where the popo is. I don't have to ride down the highway looking for the state trooper, wondering if he's gonna pull me up. No. Your peace is in the realization of the worthlessness. Yeah, you got to share yeah. You got it, you got it, it's Augustine. Listen, number 11 comes in verses 21 and 22. 
my son, fear the Lord and the king. And do not associate with those who are given to change of allegiance and are revolutionary. For their, tra their tragedy will rise suddenly. And who knows the punishment that both the Lord and the king will bring on the, on the, rebel, on the rebellious. Number 11 is this. Partnership with rebels is worrisome. Partnership with rebels is worrisome. You ask all those folk who partnered with the 45th president on January 6th and went down to, went to the Capitol to try to overturn the peaceful election results. Partnership with rebels is worrisome. And now they're getting their punishments. Some of them now get years in jail for going to hang out with a rebel. You be careful of people like that. You be careful of folks who, who wish to overturn, overrule, overtake over. Don't partner with people like that. You gotta be careful. Now they suffer while he goes to Mar-a-Lago. He goes to a golf resort, they go to jail. He goes to a penthouse in New York, they go to jail. He goes over there and, and goes to one of his golf clubs in New Jersey, they go to jail. Okay. Number 12 comes out of verse 23 and 24. These also are the sayings of the wise to show partiality and judgment is not good. He who says to the wicked, you are righteous, People will curse him. Nations will denounce him. I like this one. Number 12 is this. Partiality results, triggers the whammy. Partiality results, triggers the whammy. And in case you don't know what the whammy is, the whammy is misfortune. It's misfortune. So that when one is, is, is tipping the scale, so to speak, when one is not being honest, especially if you sit in the seat of judgment to make a right or wrong decision, that partiality is going to cause problems. It's going to bring out the whammy. I, the other day, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a football fan, of course, and I root for several football teams in college and in pros, and I saw a play where a referee made a call and I couldn't see what the referee saw. And I'm looking, I'm looking, I'm looking. The next day, you, you know, I, I, he might have been a fan of the team. The next day, they suspended him and the crew that was with him because it changed the whole outcome of the game. How does it change the outcome of the game? Because that partiality gave the other team another chance, five more yards, a touchdown. All of a sudden, the, they beat a team that they were supposed to lose to. Let me tell you something. What happens is, because of that, it triggered the whammy. He may, that referee might not work again. He may lose a good job. He may have repercussions on his regular job as a result of that. Because of what? Whatever partiality he had, it triggers something. That's why you always want to be fair. You always want to be fair. Stay fair. Stay honest. But number 13. Found in verse 25 and 26. But to those honorable judges who rebuke the wicked, it will go well with them, and they will find delight 
and a good blessing will come upon them. He kisses the lips and wins the hearts of the people who gives a right and straightforward answer. That's a metaphorical kiss of the lips. So number 13 is this. Principles rally true witnesses. Principles. When you live and you do right, people will honor you. Let me tell you something. They might not even like what you had to decide, but they'll respect it and they'll respect you. They might not even like wh where, the way you're coming from, but they'll respect it and they'll respect you if it comes from a principal place. It'll rally true witnesses. People will give you that honor. People disrespect and dishonor judges that do not function in honor, that do not function with principle. There's a problem. So whenever one functions out of one's principle, people will give you honor and will give you great respect, especially because you're giving forward straightforward answers. I got to hustle. Verse 27 gives us number 14. Prepare your work outside and get, and get it ready for yourself in the field. Afterward, build your house and establish a home. Number 14 is this. Preparation is rewarded through wealth. Preparation is rewarded through wealth. Let me tell you something. If you do what you're supposed to do and you're not lazy, you tend your field, you do your work, you do what you're supposed to do, guess what? Wealth is going to come with it. Wealth is going to come with it. If you're lazy and you will not do the preparation outside of your house, you won't do what you need to do. In this case, it may be a field. In another case, it may be on your job. You won't do your part. Guess what comes with it? Poverty. I'll hit that later. Be careful. Number 15 comes in verse 28, 29. Do not be a witness against your neighbor without cause. Do not deceive with your lips. Speak neither lies nor half-truths. Do not say I will do to him as he has done to me. I will pay the man back for his deeds. Number 15 is this. And y'all got to get this. This is a hard one, but it's a good one. Number 15. Planning revenge is temptingly wrong. Temptingly wrong. It's tempting, but it's wrong. You know, sometimes people do stuff to you and you know you want to get them. You know you, you got a chance to take them out, knock them down, ruin their life. You, you, want, you want to pay back eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth. You want to go right straight to the Hammurabi Code. But you know, if we go eye for eye, tooth for a tooth, everybody be around here blind and snag a tooth. You, listen, you, you can't, don't worry about paying folk back. The righteous judge of the universe will take care of it. Here's what the Bible says. Vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. I will repay. In other words, you don't have to repay it. God said, I'll get them. And I'm going to tell you something. I'd rather God get them anyway. He'd do stuff to them I can't do. Okay. I got to close verse 30 through 34 real quick. 
and went by the field of a lazy man and by the vineyard of a man lacking understanding and common sense. And behold, it was all overgrown with thorns and nettles, nettles were covering its surface and its stone wall was broken down. When I saw it, I considered it well. I looked and received instruction. Here's the lesson. You had a little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest and daydream. Then your poverty will come as a robber and your want like an armed man. Number 16 is this. Poverty is the reward of trifling wastefulness. Trifling wastefulness. And I said trifling on purpose. Why do you say trifling? Because everything to create wealth was there. Everything to create wealth was there. You've got land. You've got a stone wall already around your property. Means that your, your, your area is defined. You've got a field that is good to be prosperous if you just plant it. And since you can't, didn't do it, now when the time of harvest comes, you're going to be broke while other folk will be bringing in the harvest. Poverty is the reward of trifling wastefulness. You know, and people waste in a lot of ways. They waste their talent, they waste their time, they waste their energy, they waste their gifts, they waste their abilities. Look, if you will do your part, money's gonna come. Money's gonna come. People think that, that money comes when you have the particular job or this, that, that, no, no, no. If you do what God has made you passionate about and gifted in, money's gonna come. Money's going to come. It's going to come. Wealth is going to come to you as you do your part. But you can't sit around talking about, I ought to be wealthy by now. Look, if you're not going to work and if you're not increasing your, your, your work ethic and you're not increasing your skill level so you can go up on the job or move to another job or higher paying job, I've seen it where people started out as baggers at a grocery store ended up at managers of the same grocery store. Went from the salary of a bagger to the salary of a manager. You, you gotta decide what you're gonna do. And if you waste the opportunities, poverty is the reward of trifling wastefulness. Opportunities are always abound. We gotta take advantage of them. And that's what the text means. God bless you, saints. Ah, it's been a great night. I hope you got something out of this thing tonight. I've had fun teaching in here tonight. I love you all with the love of the Lord. You won't change my mind. I can't stand it, but God has been so good. I want to praise him again. Let me tell you something. Let's keep praying for one another. I want you to know that if you are listening to me tonight and you don't have a church home, come on, consider joining us here at Shiloh. Write or email me here at Shiloh, New London, and say, hey, I want to be an I member. That's an internet member. I want to be a member of, of this wonderful fellowship, and I want to be a part of the Shiloh family, and I'll be glad to welcome you. Call me, let me know, and we want to be a part of you and a part of what God's doing to you. Well, saints, we're going to lift our gifts, giving to the Lord tonight. I invite you to give. As I tell you, we're going to give this money we give away benevolently. There are three ways to give through Givelify, 
Cash app, that's dollar sign Shiloh NL, or send it in the mail, just market benevolence, and we give it away. That's right, we give it to the community. We try to help others who are in need. Please do so. Let's bless it. Father, we thank you for the gift and the giver. Thank you for those who will sow seed into the kingdom of the living God. And we ask God that you give us godly wisdom on how to use the resources to get the best good done to give you glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. As we close tonight, I want to just tell you, keep praying for those who are out uh, sick and those who are going through any recovery. We'll continue to pray for De uh, Brother Dennis and Sister Alyssa uh, and, for, and, and their wonderful caregiver. Amen. Amen. Sister Jenkins who's caring for them. We keep them in our prayers. Mike, good to see him in church Sunday morning. Mike Watts, good to see Deacon uh, Wilson in church Sunday. He has been sick and Mother Wilson was sick, but thank God they were able to come back. Continue to keep Deacon Wiggins in your prayers and of course Mother Wiggins in your prayers as well. And continue to pray for all of the saints. I will meet you on the prayer call tomorrow. 1 p.m. for community prayer. You see the number up on the screen. Come on, join us in prayer. We're going to have a great time, and we're going to enjoy what God is doing. And I will be giving another message there during that time. So join us. We love you. Thank you for joining us all over the country. Welcome to Shiloh. Continue to keep coming back and joining us. We'll be back online Sunday morning at 9 a.m. And if you saw the community prayer line, join us wherever you are in the country. It's no cost to you. Dial in. Be a part of our prayer time. God bless you, saints. It's been a wonderful day here, wonderful time sharing with you. I love you with the love of the Lord. You won't change my mind. Instead, my love grows daily for you, and my family's love grows for you as well. Go in peace this night, and may the very peace of God go with you. And you know what I say. Shalom. Please keep Sister Lorraine Thomas in your prayers as well, saints. <laughs>